dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Serving others is a bit of a paradox. To some, it is an exaggerated title of glory. To others, it is the worst of things, being demoted in the eyes of others. What does it mean to serve as a Christian? How did our Lord serve us? If we understand how Christ served us, we can find the dignity in serving others. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad that we're here. This is such an opportunity to go deeper in our faith, and an opportunity at the same time to really open our lives to letting God rule, letting God be free with us. That's one of the things I most admire about the Virgin Mary. You know, when you, when you look at how she responded to the angel in Luke chapter 1, you really are touched by the fact that she let God do with her whatever God wanted. Sometimes people have a hard time with the Virgin Mary. I've never had a hard time with the Virgin Mary because I understand the greatness of this woman, which really consists in her total abandonment and surrender to God, letting God push her to levels beyond which most of us are not really, really comfortable to go. I mean, look at, every, look at how much love took a hold of that woman's heart. And through her heart, took a hold of her flesh. I mean, she became the mother of the Son of God. And that means that everything in Mary's life had to be focused on him at his service. And while this might seem like a small thing, in fact, it pushed her to develop aspects of her soul that nothing in life could ask her to develop as profoundly as being the mother of God. I mean... From the sense of responsibility to the sense of compassion to the sense of intercession to the sense of, of, the, of the offering of herself along with Christ on the cross. When Mary followed Christ, she followed him into a whole new level of greatness, a whole new level of development, a whole new depth of humanity. And I'm not hesitant to say it at all. No one has developed their humanity more profoundly and to greater heights than the Virgin Mary outside of Christ's sacred humanity itself. That's quite a tribute. And to why did she develop herself so great? Because she surrendered herself so completely. The key to authentic greatness comes from the depth of authentic surrender. And for most of us, it's just the opposite. We think that in order for us to be great, we have to spend our time acquiring talents, acquiring new skills, you know, getting this certification, getting that workshop under our belt, getting this title, and then moving ourselves up. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, 
after all, that's what I think we need to do. If you've been given the gifts of leadership, you're, you're supposed to lead with them. We need you to develop yourself out of the love of God so that those areas of power are inhabited and lived in by Christians, by men and women of Christ who have this gospel spirit inside of them because you're going to make this whole world better by exerting that influence of Christ there in positions of power. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all for us. In fact, it's a call and a summons. But what I do want to challenge you with is when you think that that outward distinction or that, that ability to influence others from a position of power somehow bespeaks or denotes true and authentic greatness and worth. And here, there's just a common mistake that we make by identifying the two. When I look at the Virgin Mary, I see a woman who, who had given everything in an act of service. I mean, the greatest act of service that we can give is motherhood and fatherhood. Parenting our children, I mean, you lose the best years of your life, so to speak, as you fold them under and invest yourself in your children. And it's such a hidden act that a lot of people today don't even want to do it. And I just want to challenge you, you know, I mean, like if you have a problem with parenthood, your priorities are probably messed up. And I just want to, I mean, honestly, when you parent, there is nothing greater on this world, in this world than a father. And there's nothing greater in this world than a mother. Being a parent to a child is a vocation from God. Your job is an advocation. It's a mission that God gives you to fulfill, but not as profoundly as the mission to the family. Matter of fact, your greatness at work is a practice ground and a place where you train yourself in order to succeed in the relationships of the home because what's at stake is so much greater at, in what's at home. What's at stake at home is the legacy of the human spirit, the heart of your kids, the character of your kids, the identity of your kids, the greatness of the spirit far transcends the greatness that a society can bequeath on us because of positions of power or because of whatever else, the talent that we have and skill that we have. Talents and skills are great, but they're nothing compared to character. Character comes from family. Character comes from relationships. Character comes from God. And when you're, you're a parent, you're facilitating that level of greatness. And let me tell you, that's the greatness that it changes the world. I mean, you know, anything that artificial intelligence can do, and we all know it's coming with the arrival of 5G in our world, artificial intelligence is the next step. Look, if artificial intelligence can do it, then it doesn't bespeak the true and authentic human greatness. So if your job can be done by a robot, or if you could be replaced by a computer algorithm, guess what? What you're doing is not as profound and as great as you're capable of. There is something that no computer, no algorithm could ever do. And that's bequeath the spirit from your heart into the hearts of others. Inspiration and spiritual legacy. These, these words are so powerful because they strike at the heart of what it means to parent and, and to, to successfully pass on the greatness that God has given to each one of us. 
The greatness in you is not your skill. It's not your power. It's not your treasure. It's not your ability. The greatness in you, it's your identity. Who you are and the dreams that you have and the aspirations that you have and the hope and the faith and the love that you have. And this, no computer can ever replace or replicate because no computer could ever replace or replicate you. Parenthood is that vocation to pass on to those who are underneath you what is inside of you. And this, this, this fundamental attitude, therefore, opens to us up because we're like, well, how is it that I really embody that spirit? You, you are never so great as when you embody service. There is no one on this earth greater in terms of human quality than the one who bends down to pass on their greatness to others in multitude of fashions. And Mary is the paradigm and the leader in that greatness through humility. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. And so we, we, we gather to really plunge deeply into this understanding of Christ, the servant. Right? I wanted to look at all the different ways in the gospel where it speaks to us about why Jesus came. And especially I want to look at the spots in the gospel where Jesus tells us himself why he came. There's no better one to ask why he came than Christ. Well, he reveals to us why he came. And he has many different sayings that where he says, I came in order to. So where he reveals to us his mission. Because when I see his mission, I better understand my own mission. And when I understand my mission, that I better understand how to navigate my own life and create my own itinerary so as to not miss that fundamental purpose. My mission is to continue Christ. So today I'd like to look with you especially at where our Lord reveals his mission as being one of service. But before we go any further, I'd like to start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm sure you know the passage well. It's Matthew 20, verses 17 to 28. And uh, in this area it's it's amazing how Matthew builds up the story right he's going to Jerusalem and right as he's on his way to Jerusalem he makes a prediction prediction this is Matthew 20:17 he says behold we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes they will condemn him to death and will deliver him over to the gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and on the third day he will be raised to life then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and knelt down to make a request of him. I mean, how, 
How amazing is this? He starts off by saying, look, the Son of Man is going to be condemned, delivered over, fl mocked, flogged, and crucified, and then he's going to raise to life. And what happens? Mother Zebedee's sons, they, she comes forward with her sons and, and makes a request. So right on the heels of his announcement of his passion, where he reveals that he's going to be victorious and reveals his power, you immediately have someone coming in to say, can we benefit from it? <laughs> now, I, I'm sure that this passage has a lot of meanings and there's a lot more depth than what I'm speaking of here. But one angle you can take on this, right, is to look at it and see what's happening. Jesus reveals that he's going to die and he's going to rot, raise again. He's going to be raised from the dead. And immediately, the mother of the sons of Zebedee is there, and she says, declare that in your kingdom one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left. In other words, he has announced that his kingdom is coming, and she wants to be the first one to make sure that her kids sit on the right and left of Christ. I mean, it's enough to make you smile because it sounds a lot like humanity at its finest. Right? And he again says, you do not know what you're asking, right? Because his kingship is going to be upon the cross, right? He's going to re be raised from the dead. But the only time he's going to be declared a king on this earth is when he's sitting upon the throne of the cross in his death. And so he says, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, the brothers answered. And Jesus says, you will indeed drink my cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not mine to grant. These seats belong to those for whom my father has prepared them. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. So you see what's happening. There's a, a jealousy that happens. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how small our hearts can be sometimes. The world is on fire. There are seven billion people to convert to Jesus Christ. And by converting to Jesus Christ means that there's seven billion people who are waiting to hear that they will live forever in God, who are waiting to know the intimacy of the mercy of God, who lays his life down for them, waiting to have their sins forgiven, waiting to know what is right and wrong, waiting for true justice, all these beautiful promises. There's seven billion people waiting for them. And we're worried about who's going to sit at the right and who's going to sit at the left. Jesus is worried about saving the world. And we're worried about who's going to be closest to the glory. Who's going to get the most action. It sounds so familiar. It sounds exactly what it's like in the church. You know, it's a church for lay people. It's in the church. It's, in the, it's everywhere we go. You know, there's a, a funny story. I, when I was going to be ordained a priest, uh, my order asked me to wait at least a year. And I didn't know if they would ever ordain me because you never know. We gave that up. When we take our final vows, we say whatever God wants with the priesthood. But in my heart, I really wanted to be a priest. And so when I had to watch the other, my classmates, so to speak, being ordained and me not, it was, it was a big blow to me. And I remember there were a lot of brothers that year that they asked not to be ordained. And so the, the prior general met with all of us, and he told us this interesting little tale. He said, listen, you guys all want to be priests, and that's awesome. And we know the church needs that, and, you know, we'll leave that in God's hands to decide. But let me just tell you something. When you're ordained priest, you know what? What's going to keep you from wanting to be named a monsignor? 
And then when you're a Monsignor, what's going to be, what's, you're going to be thinking, who, who amongst us is going to be the next bishop? And then when you're a bishop, you know what? I bet a lot of you will sit around and you'll ask yourselves as bishops, I wish I was an archbishop. I wonder why I was only named a bishop and never an archbishop, you know? And then amongst the archbishop, who's going to be the next cardinal? And then amongst the cardinals, I bet you'll sit there and ask each other, who is amongst us will be elected pope? And he, and he gave us this word of warning. He said, be very careful about jealousy, about titles, and about powers in the church because it never stops. You'll never have enough. And I thought about that. And I'm like, it seems so ludicrous to think, you know, about being pope. But then again, it, the example is that jealousy is at the root of each one of our hearts and it sits there. The moment that we forget that our lives are supposed to be gifts of love, as soon as my life becomes a gift of love, I am far too busy about be, then being jealous about who gets this and who gets that title and privilege. You know, I, I don't have time for that anymore. My life becomes full of meaning and full of purpose. The more I can give it away and the lower that I could become, which is what I learned that year when they passed me over. It was an incredible chance to give that to God. And to say, God, I serve you no matter what. It doesn't matter. And I remember when they finally did ordain me, I was totally at peace with being a brother. I was totally at peace with not being a priest. I said, whatever God wants, because it was a chance for me by ridding myself of that kind of attachment to actually remember the real profound joy that comes in our life comes not from your promotion and not from your title, and not from your salary, and not from your successes. It comes from whether or not you gave your life away in service. That a profound truth changes the culture from a worldly one to a genuinely Christian one. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So open your Bibles now with me. We're looking together again at Matthew 20, and we're just at this key moment where the mother of the sons of Zebedee comes and she intercedes with her kids saying, let them sit one at your right and one at your left when you come into your kingdom. And when the other 12, with the 10 of the 12 apostles heard about this, this is verse 24, they were indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them aside and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their superiors exercise authority over them. It shall not be this way among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this has so many levels to it, right? But deep down inside where our Lord is showing them is that, wait a second, if you're following me, then you should look at your life as being as great as mine and your way to greatness as being the same as mine. And, and my greatness comes by serving in a way of giving my life away for the ransom of many. And how is it that you define greatness? Right? Did you come to be served or did you come to serve? 
And when I look at paradigms of the non-Christian ideas of leadership, it's almost like you could judge a man's leadership or a woman's leadership by how many people serve them, how many secretaries they have, how many cars they have, how, many, how great is their entourage, right? If you want to look, for example, this look no further than Hollywood, right? Or the rap stars of this world and the way that they just portray themselves as if they were some sort of like royalty walking on the face of this earth and how many servants they have and how much power they wield, you know, is, is an expression of their leadership and their influence in this world. I'd just like to say maybe, maybe to a degree from the outside, I'm sure that if you had a lot of influence in this world, you, you could do a lot of good with it. But at the same time, I challenge you to reflect on how to really do good. If you really want to do good, it's not a question of leading in terms of, of extension or numbers or quantity. It's a, in, it's a question of how deep the influence that you have touches the hearts of those who are around you. In other words, people are changed by people when they're loved and trusted and are, have a relationship with that person. If you think of your own life, who it is that's exerted the greatest ex the influence over you and, and allowed you to be inspired and allowed you to dare for great things, it's almost always going to be the people that were closest to you. And so, yes, kings and queens and royalty and presidents and generals and all of those things are extremely important, but they almost just prepare the groundwork for authentic leadership. They, they almost just get things in order so that when a real leader comes and touches you, a teacher in high school or a coach who spent extra time with you, or a mentor who invested himself in you. Those types of people, when you have one in your life, it's almost like you have the, the, those who prepare the powder keg and those who ignite it. And the preparation of the power keg can come on the outside from schools and administrations and all that type of leadership and all that's important. But if you really want to be great, then you need to serve by giving your life away. If you came to be served and to, uh, uh, to get to those power positions, odds are you've lost something of your soul along the way. And every degree of soul that you lost is leadership that is diminished. You could arrive at the very pinnacle of your career, but if you've forgotten your identity, to what does it avail you? And how is it exactly that you're going to make this world better? At most, you'll keep alive some sort of institution, some sort of structure. Congratulations, that's great. And it's not a bad thing. But man, you were made for something so much more. And your, the eyes of your children are, and their hearts, which God has entrusted to you to be the number one person in their life, your spouse, who thought so much of you that they, they asked you to lead them. They asked you to hold their hearts. They asked you to never let them go, to inspire and support them. What about them? I mean, you're at the pinnacle of your career, and it's a good thing. But, but at what price? And Jesus is so clear. He says, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? And I would say, what does the world profit by a leader who has all influence and no character?
no identity, no deep sense of why and purpose. This is why Jesus emphasizes that his mission as the Son of Man, as the Messiah come from God, did not consist in being served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To look upon those who are in a position where they, they need someone who cares about them to set them free. Those who do not have knowledge, those who do not have skill, those who do not have opportunity. And I know what you're thinking because you're like, if I give myself to the poor, the poor won't be able to pay me back. And, and it's, it's, it's true. There's no romance about it. When you have kids, the best years of your life are spent with your kids and your family. And that's not always glorious. But if we change our mindset, it can become completely wonderful, but it's definitely not glorious. We watch our friends with their new cars, their second boats, their third house. We see our, our friends with their careers and their time and, their, and they all seem so important. And then they say to you, well, and what do you do? And you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a mom, right? I'm just a mom. I, I, I'm tired of you saying you're just a mom. You know who else was just a mom? The queen of the universe, the Virgin Mary, okay? She was just a mom. I don't think Jesus would be happy just to have you walk around saying that you, his queen, his daughter, the one that he sent to this world with so much grace and beauty that he asked and entrusted you with the most precious place of leadership to lead in the formation of the soul of one of his children would identify yourselves as just a mom. My goodness, folks, the leadership is not a question of being served and it's not a question of having earthly power. Leadership is a question of the gift that you make of yourself intentionally in order to better the lives of those who are around you. And in your family, to your spouse, number one, and to your children, number two, there is no more powerful thing you can do than just that act of service. I call it leaving a spiritual legacy. When our Lord served us, you could say, how did Jesus serve me? Think about it. He invested everything that he did in your heart and in your soul, forgiving you of your, of your sins, educating you, supporting you, encouraging you, consoling you. He never gave you a dime, Jesus Christ. No, but he has provided for you in every other way. So we are to do to those who we lead, serving their soul, their character with integrity, honor, inspiration, and hope. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.